Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. What about you? Giver, taker, or squeezer? Find yourself in the middle of one of those two places. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 14. We wanted to find ourselves today talking about this idea of our being givers. Uh, We looked for, for the last several weeks at Matthew chapter 10, and when he sent the disciples out to the cities and towns around, what he told them to do, how he told them to act. And this is a little bit of carryover from that, but it's uh, chronologically just a tad later than that that particular story. We're talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Many of you have heard this story before, but we're going to look at this text in Matthew chapter 14, verses 15 to 21 and see what we can glean today as disciples being givers. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The four things today I want us to glean from this text about our being givers. First is this is that giving disciples see the need. They recognize the need. Look at verse 15. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him, said this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. I've watched people over the years that I believe has the gift of giving, and seldom do they have a problem seeing the need. Givers recognize the need, usually before others do. In fact, they have a a compassion radar, more or less, uh, I think givers do, that helps them see the need more clearly, more quickly than others do, and then can in turn step in and be a part of that need being met. Notice here also that the disciples are getting a little bit anxious about the fact that it's, it's uh, the location they're in, a, a remote place, the hour of the day, getting late. And rather than trying to disperse the crowd themselves, they go to the only one who can do something about this problem they have. There's a great lesson in that for you and I, and that is this. There'll always be more needs around us than we can meet on our own. Always be more needs around us than we can meet on our own. So how do we know when, where, and how to invest our resources? Well, we do what they did. We go to the one who knows best what is the best fit for us, what is the best, what what will resonate for us the best, and where where our gifts and abilities and talents can best be used. Um, he sees more deeply than we do and knows more deeply than we do where, where the need exists. And we're, as we learn to listen to his spirit and respond to that, he will direct, that where, direct us where we need to go and where our, our giving needs to go. Now, the more we do that, the more we, the, the less we try and do our own research, more or less. And I'm not saying don't do that. 
But the more we trust him instead of our own logistical uh, info, the better our gift is going to be, whether it's time, talent, or treasure. The more effective it's going, the better it's going to hit the mark, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the more we do that, the more we go to him about it, the easier it is for us to see that even before we go to him about it. And he, he, his spirit will reinforce to us, yes, you're exactly on the right path. This is where you need to invest uh, your time and your resources. So as we develop a habit of that, don't be overwhelmed by the problem. Don't be overwhelmed by the need because there's always going to be more need than you can meet on your own. Recognize he's the one to direct us where to go. Uh, but giving disciples see the need. Secondly, giving disciples hear the prompting. They hear the prompting. Look at verse 16. It says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So they just bought the, uh, brought this obvious need to Jesus, and he turns it right back around on them. In essence, to say, you were either fearful enough or wise enough to recognize the problem. So how are you going to solve it? You, you, you can and should be the solution to this. How are you going to step into this and press into this yourself? Uh, then after that prompting, I, I, my mind's eye, I don't know if this happened, but my mind's eye, I can see them kind of huddling up. Okay, who's got some money? What are we going to do here? We've got a problem to fix. We, and he's counting us to fix the problem. Who's got some money? We'll go to the store. We'll go down to the local, uh, buy one, get one free falafel, drive through, get some, some food to bring back, or see what, what anybody has on them. Uh, before they uh, can come back to him and say, listen, we got nothing. That's, um, uh, and in fact, I honestly believe they had no money on them, maybe, maybe with the exception of Judas, had no money on them whatsoever, but um, can, can, can come back to him with, with empty or little resources to give. Then, um, the loaves and fish are commandeered here and the decision uh, of who's going to tell Jesus all that they have. So they were prompted to respond and realize they don't have enough. Great lesson in that as well. But I'm going to tell you this, friend, you will never have enough to meet the needs around you. Never. There are greater needs around you than you, you will ever personally have to meet them all. So that's the beauty of how the body of Christ works together to do collectively what we can't do individually on our own. The beauty of how the, the local church works together to, to, to be in the community and be to, to missions and be to, to people needing to be disciple and people needing to grow, to be those things for those folks that you can't do totally on your own all the time. Now, should we engage and invest? Absolutely. But understand you don't have it all, and you'll never have it all. You'll never have enough to meet every need around you. He helps them to see that here, I think, and how he prompts them to, to be a part of the need being met. Um, it's only when we're willing to give of ourselves, to empty our pockets, to empty our minds, to empty our hearts, to empty our hands, to empty our plans, and lay them at his feet. That's when we'll, we'll start to truly see needs being met around us. But givers hear the prompting. They're aware of the prompting as, as these disciples were. So givers see the need, hear the prompting. Thirdly, giving disciples think provisionally. They think provisionally. Look at verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. This is their way of saying, we've done the math. And the math isn't going to work out very well because five loaves and two fish isn't going to go very, well, very far with a crowd this size. So they get it. They understand that. However, this situation is Jesus' way of, I think, teaching them in essence, we don't have a math problem. You have a faith problem. I think he turns it right back on them 
in those in those terms and in that blunt of term to say we don't have a math problem. This is a problem I can solve. You have a faith problem. Your problem is is, is how little your faith is. In essence, you've seen me fill your boats with fish. You've seen me turn water into wine. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me drive out demons. You've seen all of this, and still, you don't have enough faith to look at this situation and think that I'm big enough to meet it. There's enough here to meet this need. You're still looking at this situation through a, a human, carnal, fleshly lens. Uh, yet, here they are with all they have among themselves, uh, realizing their, their provisions are not enough, but at least not enough to bring it all to Jesus. And there's something to be said for that. They knew enough to know that it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't the how that was so important, it was the who. They knew enough to know if we get these five loaves of fish into his hands, this is all we got. If we get into his hands, the how is immaterial. The who is, is what's most important. And that's a great lesson for you and I. In, th- in terms of thinking provisionally, whether we run out of the money uh, or, or run out of money before we run out of month or run out of provisions at home or our, our own ability to meet our own needs, he is always enough. And the how is not important. The who is what's more important there. They got that. They recognized that and brought that to him. You notice it wasn't the question of how. It wasn't the question of what are we going to do here. It's, this is all we got. We're bringing all we got. And that's, that's the great lesson. So though they couldn't see how this was going to work out, They knew that he was the one to do it. Getting beyond our own abilities, our own provisional resources, and trusting him is a part of growing our faith, and that's exactly what he was doing there. When giving disciples see the need, they hear the prompting, they think provisionally. Fourthly, giving disciples believe more than they can see. They believe more than they can see. Look at 18 to 19 again. It says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Bring them here to me, he said. It's important to note here that that there were um, probably eight to ten thousand people in this setting, and he is he's concerned about them. But this is more about teaching his disciples a deeper lesson than teaching the the, the thousands of people uh, arrayed there before him. Uh, he's, and I'm not, I'm not so sure about what he's not turning to them physically and, and turning his back away from the crowds in order to show these, these guys are who this lesson is about. Now, the rest of you can learn this too, but I'm pouring into these 12 guys what, what I want them to understand. And if, if the crowd gets it, okay. If they don't, okay. I think this is really about the disciples more than anything else. Uh, he's trying to show them to believe beyond what they can see, to believe beyond what they have in their hands and their own resources. Uh, there's, there's more biblical math here too because Jesus tells them in verse 16 to feed the people and they bring the food to him. He blesses it and gives it right back to them to do what he told them to do in the first place. You be the solution. So he blesses the food, gives it right back to them uh, to, to be the solution. So uh, it's, it's, he's in essence saying, you are my hands and feet. I'll be the blessing. I'll take care of the multiplication if you're willing to be my hands and feet. If you and I are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, he will take care of multiplication in our life, in our world, with the gospel itself, in the lives of people around us. Uh, he, he is always faithful for that. We have to be, be able to trust him and, and trust him for that. Uh, that's why I, th- <clears throat> I think, although several biblical scholars think that the multiplication, the multiplication took, 
took place with the blessing, that when he blessed it, it instantly multiplied. I disagree with that. I think it multiplied as they started to give it away. I think he blessed five loaves and two fish and handed them five loaves and two fish. And as they start to give it away, reaching into the basket was another loaf. Reach in, there's another loaf. Reach in, there's another loaf. Reach in, there's some fish. And, and the more they reached, the more the greater their faith became. The greater their faith became, the more they had to deal with and, and give away. I think, it, I think this blessing and multiplication was tied to their obedience. Not so much to his blessing, because I, th- I think he was trying to teach them something about himself and about their own faith. That as they gave it away and were willing to be givers, he multiplied and multiplied and multiplied following the giving. He will do that every time in your life, in my life, if you will let him. Luke 6, 38 says this. It says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, condensed in essence, shaken together and running over, pouring into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In essence, he's saying, not to give, to get, but to give, to get to give, to get to give, to get to give, again and again and again. That's why he's talking about here, I think in Luke 6, and talking to these, these 12 disciples about to say, the more you believe, the more you see. The more you see, the more you believe. And as, you, as you're obedient with what you have, to give away your time, your talent, your treasure, you're going to see me start to bless it again and again and multiply it over and over and over again. But you've got to be willing to lay it down and give it to see that. So the greater our belief, the more we see, the more we see, the more we give. A couple of observations and we'll wrap up. The first is this. God doesn't need or want your money. He wants it all. All of it. All of you, all of what you have, all of your resources, all of your smarts, all of your brilliance, all of your effort, all of your time, all of the talent that he's given you, all of your, your family, your, your mind, your heart, your mortgage, your career, your friends, your talent. He wants it all or nothing, as, we, as we've seen the last few weeks. And the last thing I want to leave you with is disciples are, are givers. He clearly points them here <clears throat> And uses these eight or 10,000 people gathered around, maybe even for some positive peer pressure, to be honest, for them to see there's an audience here. And he's focused on us, not them. This is kind of rare. He's teaching us, not them. And so how we respond here is going to be taken uh, several thousand fold. So we need to get this right. I think they saw that. They recognized it, and as they got to be obedient to give him all that they had, he, as they reached for more, and as they reached for more, gave them more, and gave them more, and gave them more. He'll do that in your life every time. He'll do that in my life every time if we learn to give. And honestly, <clears throat> I found in my life and lives of folks that I've been church with over the years, the money is the easy part. It's the, it's the time. It's the willingness. It's the effort. It's the talent. It's, 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 all the other, it's our family. It's our marriage. Those are the hard things to turn over because we think we can manage those better than he can. But he says, you lay all of that at my feet, you'll see me multiply it in ways that only God can do. You'll see me take it and make it more than you ever could on your own because we're never enough, ever enough. Let's pray. Father, 
Would you teach us here this morning, not just from this text, but from the very nature of how your spirit prompts us over and over again to be givers, to find ourselves in places and positions of obedience before you, as these 12 disciples did, who brought all they had, not knowing how this was going to be done, and the how wasn't important, it was the who. They brought it all to, to, to Jesus, and Jesus multiplies it as their faith starts to grow, as, as they start to give it away. You'll do that in our lives again and again and again if we'll trust you to do it. Because you just don't want our money. You want all of us. You want all we have. You want all we are. You want every relationship we have. You want the career choices we make. You want our, our, our minds, our thoughts. You want it all. You want us to see you as Lord and not just as Savior. Not just as a ticket out of hell into heaven, but as one who gleams and squeezes all of us out, out into the lives of other people day after day, week after week. As we give ourselves away, you give us more to give and fill us up again. And we give ourselves away and you give us more to give and fill ourselves up again. And again and again and again that equation works. But we've got to be willing to lay that down and give ourselves and all of our energies and all that we have away to you. When we do that, you do miraculous, miraculous things. But we've got to exercise faith first teaches that, that your miracles follows our faith and your supernatural follows our natural every time in Christ's name we pray Amen Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical and contagious walk with Christ